Amen. Welcome. So a lot of you guys probably heard about uh, the other top news story yesterday. Uh, Johnny Two Shoes McGee uh, was actually, uh, he confessed to killing a cow, beating a cow to death in a rice field with two porcelain figurines. Uh, officers admit that this is the first known incident of a knick-knack paddywhack. So, <laughs> it's on the podcast, so. Uh, so he's a gangster, it's a, pa- it's a whack, and then it's two figurines, knickknacks, and then he's in a rice field, which is a patty. Um, first John, some of you were like, that is a weird story. So just for some of you who are like, poor cow, there was no cow, uh, it's just a joke. Ah, thank you. Um, I was warned not to tell it, but uh, I uh, I went for it. So uh, anyway, we're in First John, and uh, in the book of First John, God is compared to two things. Maybe someone from the team table. What what two things is God compared to in the book of First John? If you're unsure, there's a picture. What two things has God compared to? Somebody's got it. Yes, heart and sun, also known as love and light. Yes. It's in fact a heart and a sun. Yes, God is compared to love and light. So next time, you guys know, uh, in the book of 1 John... And so we talked about this last time, but John is doing something called amplification in his book. If you read 1 John, you kind of see it does seem a little different than other books. Uh, He's repetitive. Repetition is a very important uh, rhetorical device in Jewish literature, which is why us, uh, uh, you know, uh, post-enlightenment thinkers struggle with things that are repeated in the Bible. Why? He just said that. Why is he saying it again? Well, it's it's trying to underscore emphasis. Your parents probably tell you things over and over and over again. You probably heard it, but there's emphasis that needs to be had yeah. with what they're saying. Okay, And so John, will, he'll contrast light and dark. He'll contrast love and hate, truth and lies. And he'll do this all in different ways just so that you can get the point uh, of the duality of light and darkness uh, to drive home a very important fact, which is that we live in a world that is, that is dual. Mm. We live in a society that's increasingly rejecting the duality of things, the duality of gender and the duality of, of evil mm. and good. Uh, but John's trying to help us see that no matter how we try to slice up the cake, it still ends up being, uh, uh, you know, either you're in or you're out. Um, and our consciences struggle with that. And that's why John writes a whole letter to his churches to help them figure out how do we have confidence, but how do we not be prideful and self-reliant? So as John goes through that, uh, God is compared to light or sun uh, and God is compared to love. God is light and God is love. So in 1 John chapter 4 is where our text will be today. And this is really kind of a two-part series. Uh, today will be to kind of, it'll be the, uh, the salad and maybe a soup uh, and then maybe an appetizer. And then next Sunday, uh, we'll, we'll get into some of the, the entree uh, and then the, uh, we'll finish with, finish with a nice souffle. So that'll be next week. But today we'll have to, we have to start with the, uh, start with the starters. 
So, uh, I'm going to quote uh, a book three times today because it's very, very, very uh, over. It's very helpful in regard to what we're talking about. Repetition, right? So, C.S. Lewis and the Screw Tape Letters. The Screw Tape Letters is a book. It's uh, it's, it's fiction, but it, it it's drawing on uh, uh, truths, which is that two demons are talking to each other about strategy and how to get uh, you guys to fall. Yeah. And what's the best strategy to get a Christian or to say person to, to fail, <laughs> to fall, to eventually be condemned. Mm-hmm. And he says it, is, it does not matter how small the sins are, provided that their cumulative effect is to edge the person, the man, away from the light and out into nothing. Murder is no better than gambling if gambling can do the trick. Indeed, the safest road to hell is the gradual one. The gentle slope, soft underfoot, without sudden turnings, without milestones, without signposts. And this is one demon screw tapes his name, talking to another demon, and basically saying, listen, the best way to get somebody to be condemned, the best way to get somebody to go to hell is not this big, loud attack. No, it's gradual. We're going to get them to, to compromise over time. Yep. In order to fail. And if we're honest about our struggle, it has been years perhaps where we've slowly seen maybe struggles and in some cases get worse. See, think about friends who've left the faith. A lot of times it was gradual. Yeah. Yeah, things have been building up over years. That's and right. so this is what John senses in his family of churches and why he writes to them here in chapter four. But the same for us is we've got to be able to snap awake and realize that it's, it's not just, oh, um, it's even to say at church, oh, it's just church. Um, or it's just the Bible, or it's ju- I'm just having a bad week, but to really wake up to the urgency of the warfare that is going on all around us, but primarily in our hearts and in our minds. Uh, and so that's why the Screw Tape Letters is such a great book if you can get a chance to read it. But we're going to hear from Screw Tape uh, a couple more times. Um, the title of my lesson today is An Examined Life. Examinations are important. Uh, I know that some of the students may not feel that way, but uh, examinations are important. Uh, I always like when people say, I'm really smart, but I'm just a bad test taker. Uh, I don't think you're as smart as you think you are uh, if you're a bad test taker, because the test is what finds out what you know. And so a lot of times we're like, oh, I don't know, I don't know. It's just, I know everything, I'm just bad at the examination. But the examination is meant to do one thing. Show me what you got. Show me what you know. If you know it, you know it. If you don't, you don't. And... And that, so exams are stressful. They put stress on us. But actually, the word, we're going to look at a word here in a second, which is the word to test, uh, uh, the word to refine, the word to put pressure on. Um, and pressure is important because you have to find out if the material has integrity. If you build, a, if you put hardwood in your house and, and you're like, you know, and it doesn't have integrity, if it's not solid, if it, if it doesn't withstand to pressure, that's not going to be good. For you or your family, you're going to fall through, right? You're going to plummet through because the wood, when you put pressure on something, you find out what it's got. Mm. Yeah. And that's, that's no unfair thing. That is, we're very, anyone that's an architect or an engineer is grateful, right, for that. A lot of us, anyone who lives, we, the materials that surround us in this building, right, we're, we're deemed worthy yeah. to be able to support us in a certain amount uh, and so that we can be safe. Mm. So refinement, testing, is very important. And as we examine our lives this morning, and as we continue to try to examine our lives as Christians or people who are considering the faith or considering to become disciples, uh, it's important to take an examination. It's important to examine our own hearts. But how do you do that? How does one do that without being extremely biased? 
because I'm very biased toward myself, but how do we actually examine our lives without being biased? Um, and so let's actually read here 1 John 4. First John 4, 1. Dear friends, do not believe every spirit, but test. There it is. The word dakime is the word refine, test, put pressure on. But dakime the spirits to see whether they are from God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. This is how you can recognize the spirit of God. Every spirit that acknowledges that Jesus Christ has come is in the flesh is from God. But every spirit that does not acknowledge Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, uh, the anti-Messiah, which you have heard is coming and even now is already in the world. Antichrist is just a word made up by John to mean the anti-Jesus. It's the opposite. We hear Antichrist and we think of like a horror movie or like, I don't know, I think of like The Omen or something. But it's a good horror movie. I don't know if it's appropriate. I'll have to check. But it's, uh, I think it's something like that, like an Antichrist. But he's really just saying anything that's anti-Jesus, anti-Messiah, these things have come from the world. In verse 4, you, dear children, are from God and have now, you have, you have overcome them. Because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. Can I get an amen to that? The one who is in you is greater than the one in the world. They are from the world and therefore speak from the viewpoint of the world. They are from the world and, uh, uh, and the world listens to them. We are from God and whoever knows God listens to us. But whoever is not from God does not listen to us. This is how we recognize the spirit of truth and the spirit of falsehood. This is a kind of hard text because they, John's talking about spirits. And a lot of us are going, wait, hold on. What's he mean? All this, what's all this spirit talk? What's going on? The word spirit just means breath. It's basically an influence. So he's saying, hold on. Just because it's basically an utterance. Somebody's saying something. So if I say something up here, that's some kind of spirit is driving me to say that thing. If you say something to your friend after in fellowship... Some, some kind of spirit, some, some force, some motivation, if you will, is driving you. Um, and there's a whole other conversation we can have about, you know, spiritual warfare and angels and demons. But we're going to leave that to the side for now. Uh, but the, the idea is a spirit is basically what is influencing you. Right. And people can get, we can get tricked because someone else who may have a title in the church or may be respected may say something to us and we can take it as gospel. And John says, hold on, don't, get, don't be fooled. Just because they said it, you got you to gotta test that thing. You got you to gotta examine what they said. Don't just take what somebody else says and make it your life. You got to examine it. Uh, because there's a lot of issues, a lot of problems that can happen if we start to rely on what everyone else is saying and, and not put it to the test. Not step on that. All right, let's, let's see if it's really got some integrity here. Let's put it under stress. Let's put it under some, some pressure to really see where it's coming from. Because apparently what had happened is these people had come into John's church and they were very enthusiastic. And the people thought, well, they, because they're so enthusiastic, they must, they must, it must be from God. It must be the Spirit. It must be under the influence of the Spirit. But John says, listen, enthousi- enthusiasm is not a guarantee of truth. Wow. And so you got to be careful. Just because you're ramping something up with passion or rah-rah, it does not mean that it's true. That's right. And it says, don't be fooled. Now, those things aren't bad. I love enthusiasm. We love, we love all that. We love passion. But John's saying, don't be fooled. Put it to the test. Okay. 
And so here's this great, this is a delta. You guys know you're Greek, right? So uh, delta is a D. Also, it's used in math a lot, I think. So delta, uh, also an airline. I don't know. Any other delta? <laughs> so delta is a Greek letter uh, D. And uh, it has to do with uh, change, right? And so any uh, product in the ancient world that was uh, like pottery, perhaps, that you would form, right? And then you would, you would put it in the kiln. You put it under intense heat. And if the piece of pottery could withstand the heat, it would be deemed uh, dakime, which is delta, which means uh, it's, been, it's been changed for the better, and it has integrity, and it, it, it's, it's, a, it's a good product. It's like a, a guarantee, right? It's a, you know, this thing will work. And so when you're actually going through a marketplace in ancient Israel or in the ancient Mediterranean, you're actually lifting up, oh, that's a really nice bowl, or that's a really nice vase, or that's a really nice container. But what's the first thing you would do is you'd lift it up and... Look for that delta, because imprinted on the side of all of these pieces of pottery, all of this uh, furniture you would have, Jesus himself is a stonemason, uh, this would be basically a certification that this product is going to work. Yeah. It's been through the fire, it's been refined, and it, it, it can last. Yeah. And so actually seeing that delta, what, you'd, be, uh, you'd, you'd be given peace. You'd, you'd have peace, no, okay, this thing, I'm not just giving this a first shot here, a first trial, uh, this thing's been through it, it's seasoned, it's seen, you know, it's, it's, a, it's, it's a veteran, right? Veteran's Day. Like it's, 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 it's seen battle. It's got, it, it knows what it's doing. It's not a first-time soldier. All right, here we go. I will actually be able to trust in this object. And this is what, this is what John is saying to his people here. Is examine and test not only what other people are saying, but we got it, and that may be easier, but we also have to examine and test our own motivations. We've got to examine and test our own hearts because it gets real tricky real fast in here especially when we live in a world of immediate gratification and, and the ends always justifies the means right. a lot of times. And so we have to take a deeper look at that. And so what John's really saying is you've got to discern your motives. And so we can talk about spirits. And that's a scary thing, by the way. I'm just going to a little side note. Uh, the Bible acknowledges the spiritual world, as a lot of us uh, realize is the truth. And the Bible talks a lot about demonic powers. Right. And we don't like to think that. We like to think... I just made a mistake or something. Right. But what John's talking about here is actually maybe what, why you said what you said was actually the spirit of a demon. Right. Yep. Actually, why you just bit that person's head off or why you just... And that's actually... Okay, that, that, that's actually not from God. Right. It's actually from the... And, and we know dual, right? There's only two. There's no middle ground. There's no purgatory. Sorry, spoiler alert. There's no middle ground. It's dual. It's two. It's always been two. Okay? So if it ain't God... We have to really be alarmed at where's that coming from. Any sin in our life is the product of a demon. That's why Paul won't worship idols. He's like, I, don't, I know they're not real, but I don't want to mess with that. Yeah. I know it's not real, but then again, I don't know. I'm not going to mess with that. You know, he's, he still has a sense of there's power. There's power in sin and there's power in those things. Anyone who tries to rationalize away sin of, oh, there's no real difference between looking at porn or looking at any other video. It's the same thing. It's all the same. It's all relative. But we know there's a spiritual consequence that comes along right. with these things. We, and there's damage. A lot of us that have gone through that, there's damage. It doesn't go away. It affects the way we think. It affects the way we live. Yeah. Decisions we make affect the body. Right. Uh, they affect us. So we've got to discern. Is it from God or is it from Satan? We've got to discern the motives. But for the rest of the sermon, I'm just going to say the word motive. So I think we can understand that a bit better than spirit. Um, but it's the same idea. Is, was it a spirit of love or a spirit of hate or a spirit of jealousy or a spirit of kindness? What was the motivation for what you said or what you did? Does that make sense? Yeah. We're on board with spirits? We got it? Okay. 
So when Paul, uh, when John talks about examination, about docume, Paul's already talked about it quite a bit. In Acts 17.10, Paul writes through the Holy Spirit, Now the Berean Jews were of more noble character than those in Thessalonica, for they received the message with great eagerness and examined the Scriptures every day to see if what Paul said was true. As a result, many believed. Right? And so... This is, this is Paul. This isn't even Drew Minds. This is Paul preaching, and those in Berea are like, I hear you, but I'm going to have to go back and check. Yep. Wow. Yep. Because you know where truth comes from is yep. from the Word. Through right. Scriptures. Mm. Um, and by the way, uh, it might take longer than a day, so we should probably go every day, right? Yeah. <laughs> it even it supplies us with the, with the time frame, right, of, oh, just do it once. No, there was a heart to examine. Don't just take what I'm saying right now as gospel. Don't do it. Take it with a grain of salt. Say, oh, that preacher guy, I don't trust guys in sweaters. And he, uh, I got to go check it. I got to go check it, you know. And so have a heart to examine. Because here's the thing. is It, pr- it protects you from being overly dependent on me. Right. But it also protects, protects you from your own heart and your own feelings of, I disagree with that. I didn't like it. Right. Well, why didn't you like it? Okay. I don't like that kind of stuff. Why didn't you like it? I don't like those songs. Why don't you like that song? I don't like doing uncomfortable things. Oh, okay, we're getting somewhere, right? And so as we dig deeper into our hearts, we can actually see yeah. where, where it's coming right. from, which is why so often uh, it, it's uncomfortable when you first come into the body of Christ because people keep asking you about why. And you're like, I don't know. You know? Like, hey, why were you late to church? I don't know. Just late. But why? What was your thought process? There was no thought process. I was just late. Get off my back. You know, or like, it's weird because there's a communal aspect to it. But we're, disciples are really good at getting into our hearts. We're really good because we have to because we know that's where the spiritual battle is. And so I remember coming into the church the first time being like, I'm exhausted from all these emotional questions. I don't know the answers. You know, but I had to learn to get in my heart deeper. And I had to learn how to identify some of these things because the battle was lost in here. Uh, it always is lost in here and up here. And that's what John's trying to help his church see is don't be fooled by the outer. Don't be fooled by intellect. Don't be fooled by a nice church building. Don't, we're not going to be fooled by that. Don't be fooled by any other stuff. Don't be fooled by that stuff because that's not where the power is. That's not where the truth is. And so he says, examine the scriptures. And by the way, examination leads to belief. Yeah. You think, I don't believe, I don't believe, I don't believe. Well, have you examined? Where's your, how's your heart to examine? Because belief will follow. How about this one? 1 Corinthians eleven twelve. 12. We just took the communion. Paul writes, hey, listen, don't just take the communion. You've got to examine yourself. Everyone ought to examine themselves before they eat of the bread and drink from the cup. For those who eat of the, and drink without discerning the body of Christ and uh, eat and drink judgment on themselves. He's basically saying, don't go into communion just like, ah, it's whatever. No, take it seriously. This, this is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. This is my blood, which is poured out for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Remember what it really, the importance. We've got to take an examination. We've got to go into our hearts. And lastly, 2 Corinthians 13, um, Paul says, examine yourselves to see whether you are in the faith. Wow. This is a great one, not only for those who are seeking to become disciples, but for those of us who have been disciples for a while. We've got to continue to examine ourselves. Come on, bro. Oh, my goodness. Examine yourself to see if you're still in the faith. Right. I know on. you're still coming to church. I know you're still doing all these religious things, but are you still in the faith? Come on. 
You got to take a, you got to examine it. You got to examine your heart. You got to take a look at what's in there. Do you not realize that Christ Jesus is in you? I love this. Do you realize you you guys have Christ unless you don't, you know, it's like, (laughs) that's what Paul does. I love Paul. If I could disciple you guys like Paul did, that'd be nuts, man. Y'all wouldn't like it. And then I wouldn't have a church, man. I don't know. But he's so funny. He's like, you guys have Jesus unless you find out that you don't. Right. So he's saying you got to You got to examine. You got to examine your heart. Um, And Corinth was an unusual situation. We'll get into that more later. If your heart's attacked by that, uh, you know, uh, it's okay. Context. So number one, what are the voices we're hearing? Because in this world, there's lots of voices and lots of spirits. What's the spirit that you're listening to? Uh, Which spirit drives you? Which spirit motivates you? Uh, And so the first thing is what others are saying to us. Uh, This can be a couple things. Uh, uh, You know, what others are saying to us uh, in a spiritual relationship, in a discipling relationship, in a friendship, in a marriage. Uh, What our parents are saying to us, teens. Uh, What we're saying to our kids, parents. And so what, uh, what we're hearing can be the voices we try to follow. And so as a teenager, maybe you study the Bible and want to become a Christian because your mom and dad are just on you about it. And so their voice has become the spirit that you follow. You want to just make mom and dad happy. Yeah. Right? That's where I was as a young man. I just wanted to get mom off my case. So yeah, sure, I'll study the Bible with no real interest to change. Yeah. Okay. Now when you see Jesus, it changes things. But for me, it was like, okay, I started off with actually a, a poor heart. Sometimes we, we try to just do things, but then we, the, the problem is, is we do things uh, to please each other and we become people pleasers and we just do things for each other because we know brother so-and-so is going to hound us or we know that uh, another person is going to be on us if we don't until so we become people pleasers. Uh, the other problem is that we become dependent on other people. We only really do things if other people get on us about it. Right. Uh, we only really do things. But if that person moves away, God forbid, or if that person struggles in their faith, God forbid, uh, you, 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 you leave. You're gone. You're done. Yeah. Um, and sure, you can, you can hide it with the excuse of, well, that church doesn't fit my needs anymore. Right. But in reality, uh, uh, you're, you're leaving God. I wish I could quote the whole thing from Screwtape Letters. It's just, you know, it's that good. But he does talk C.S. Lewis in Screwtape Letters about there's nothing worse than a person who's church shopping because you change the perspective from uh, being a student to being a teacher. And so instead of, instead of thinking, what can I learn from God? You're thinking, uh, what's going to fit my needs? And where can, I be, where can I give? And where can I be influential instead of how can I learn? I was like, oh, man. Anyway, good book. So this, this is uh, what others say to us can be influences to us. Another thing is what we say to ourselves. There you go. Come on. That's a big one. How we talk to ourselves. Uh, what we say to ourselves. Uh, one thing that's really scary is that we don't really even know what we're saying to ourselves because we're too busy. And we say, I'm so busy, I just can't. I got to pick up the kids. I got to go home. I got to make dinner. I got to go to school. I got to do all these things. I don't have time this week for all that. I can maybe make it to that. I can maybe not make it to that. We got, and you're filling your schedule because uh, maybe it's the world telling you you got to be busy or maybe it's your own insecurity. I got to fill things up. My kids got to be in six different things. Um, I have to be in six different things. Uh, we just got to be busy. And so you get really, really, really busy and you're, not, and you're not even aware of what you're saying to yourself, yeah. besides the fact that maybe uh, more, 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 like you always have to be doing more. Uh, and so you're, you're unaware of even the dialogue that goes on there. Yeah. Uh, high standards is a big one for me. Uh, nothing's ever good enough, and it's similar to too busy. 
but it can, it can mean anything. I mean, it's just nothing's ever good enough. You've got to keep upping the ante. This is a hard one, especially after you become a disciple. You have all these standards of what, what it'll be after you come out of the water. And then you realize that Satan didn't go nowhere. And all right, oh, guess what now, though? You, you now have a target on your back. Because before you were in the world and in the darkness, and now you're in the light. So why be so surprised that he's coming after you? And so be, we'd go, oh, but I had this standard, high standard of the church, and people would fill my needs, and it would always be all, awesome all the time. And, but here's the thing, is that we just, we can't forget that we're in a spiritual warfare. That's right. And, you know, when you walk out to battle, don't be surprised the other side is shooting at you, okay? And so, last thing, we can be deceived, uh, and just, we can trick ourselves. And we can tell ourselves, this is a very scary one, that we meet our own standard of, of what it means to be a Christian, yeah. and we won't hear, listen to anybody else. Uh, we see Jesus, uh, we look in a mirror, we see ourselves, but we see Jesus. We go, you know what, all right, I'm doing it. But we actually are nowhere near, we find a Jesus who is very congenial to our, to our own taste buds, but we actually re- reject the Jesus found in the New Testament. Uh, and this is a very, very, very scary one, uh, the only way to really have help in that one is to be surrounded by spiritual people. Yeah. Uh, now, we don't, now, remember, we're not going to go one side to the other. Like, oh, Drew said no more people. No, he's saying don't be led by people. Right. I'm saying don't be, have people be your motivation. Okay? And we have to have an inner dialogue, and we have to have high standards if they're Christ-like standards, yeah. but not be high standards because we're meeting our own sense of what it means to follow Christ. Does that make yeah. sense? Yeah. So this is an awesome one as well. Talk about being too busy, right? Whatever their bodies do affects their souls. It is funny how mortals always picture us as putting things into their mind. In reality, our best work is done by keeping things out. And so a lot of times we, we can think of demons as, oh, they're just going to put things in my head. But he said, Screwtape says, listen, actually the best thing we do is keep people uh, too busy. We're going to keep things out of their head. We're going to not allow them to, uh, they're going to be so busy with going here and there and running around in life. They're never actually going to be able to go deep in their heart. They're not going to develop deep roots. And so when the winter and the waves and the, you name it, the natural disaster comes, it's over. Yeah. You're done because there's no deep roots. You, you didn't get deep. And so this, as the demons are conversing here, this is a great tactic. If we can just keep us busy, keep us, oh, I, I can't, I can't, I can't. And let's be real, that starts in college. I mean, you hear all the time from college students. Yeah. Uh, and it might be, the, might be the case that college students have more time in that season of life than any other season of their lives because that doesn't really change. You know, we all like, oh, I'm busy. I just got too much going on right now. I can't get into that. And if the demons can do that to us, then they can get us down that, that treacherous, gradual uh, road we talked about yeah. in the beginning. Yeah, that's real. And lastly, what the world says, uh, the big one, the big three, right? Comfort, success, competition. Um, I was talking to Bobby earlier. I had to give him credit. There he's in the back there. Bobby had mentioned that he had read something about most Christians today being uh, moral therapeutic deists, which basically means they're moral. They have a sense of right and wrong. Now the line is wherever they want it to be. Uh, they're therapeutic, which means they believe that God's primary purpose is to make them feel good or feel happy or feel comfortable. And so the second that things get uncomfortable in Bible studies or church, they leave because God exists to make them feel good. That's right. And then deism, which is this idea of God, the clockmaker. God started the he wound the earth up and then he left. And God's not active in our lives. He's not going to answer prayers. He's, he's just kind of out there somewhere. And I thought of that and I thought, wow, 
how much of an idol is comfort in our world. Yeah. It really is. It's like everything you look at, the number one question is, is it accessible? Is it convenient? Yeah. Is it comfortable? If it is, it's going to be a really good app. It's going to be a really good TV show. It's going to re- everything in Netflix is built on comfort, right? Everything is built on this convenience of like access, instant access right now, all the time. And we apply that same idol to God. And no great relationships are forged in a day. No. It takes time. Yeah. You know, it takes time to develop some of these things. And so we have this idol of comfort. And that's why a lot of our friends stop coming to church around the Bible study and starts talking about sin. Because they're like, ah, I don't know. It just doesn't seem like God would want me to have to feel this bad. So I'm going to go somewhere else where I can feel better. Wow. Success. Everything is about success, right? Succeed. UVA, it's about success, uh, succeeding. JMU, it's about getting those internships. It's about excelling. It's about competition, beating other people, winning. That's what it's all about. It doesn't matter as long as you win. And these types of things can seep into our mind and in our world. And then Jesus becomes about comfortability. He becomes about success and winning. And he becomes about competition. Yeah, that's right. How many of us even feel like when we're asked how we're doing spiritually, um, there's something, we have this weird construct in our mind, uh, this weird uh, rubric of what it means to excel spiritually. Yeah. And sometimes we go, oh, I'm not doing very well because I didn't have all my quiet times this week. Or I'm not doing very well because I haven't baptized anybody in a long time. Or I'm not doing very well because I don't have any real friends right now. And sure, there are evidences of those things, but it's just, we have to be careful we're not importing our culture right. into the church yeah, and trying to make Jesus fit into the culture box. There's a reason that Christianity uh, thrives in any culture. No other religion can claim this. Islam only thrives in a certain culture. Uh, same with all other. Uh, Mormonism really is a North America thing. Um, you know, the fact that the Garden of Eden was in Missouri is really only applicable to era, attractive in America. Uh, sorry. But Christianity in its essence is booming right now in Asia, in Africa. It's the two biggest, uh, fastest growing continents in terms of Christianity for Europe. It's been a big deal for Europe for a long time. North America, South America, everywhere, Australia, you see Christianity thrive because it's not, it doesn't have to conform to a culture. Jesus is not within culture. He's not against culture. Jesus is above culture. And so we, we just got to be really careful. And so even if it's just a few verses here in 1 John, it's just a few verses. John really is begging. He, he calls them friends and then children. Did you notice that? Verse 1, dear friends. Verse 4, dear children. He's trying, he's it's like you got, I care about you guys, and if I care about you, I've got to make you aware of the reality of danger, and how we can we can fall in this world and struggle, and how we can actually end up all of us. How sad would it be if we all just end up on that gradual path to condemnation? John sixteen thirty, the Gospel of John, not the Epistle. There, John sixteen thirty. 1 John's already dealt with the question of why. And I asked that question earlier. Uh, why or how? How can we discern? Drew, you're telling me to discern my actions, my heart. You're trying to tell me to examine these things. But how can I do it? And 1 John 2 already talked about it uh, a couple Sundays ago. He says the first thing you've got to do is look at the word that you've heard from the beginning. So the first thing that we've got to do is go to the scriptures and go to the Bible. The Bible is an incredible tool that we have. It is the bedrock of everything that we do because it never changes. The Bible never changes. And so it hasn't changed in 2,000 years with the ultimate scrutiny, and it will never change. And so for us, 
Church, we've got, before we talk about anything further, we've got to repent and become a church that goes to our Bibles Absolutely. first and foremost. That's right. That's right. Before you call somebody and say, what would you do in this parenting situation? Go to the scriptures. Yeah. Yeah. And we got to tell each other that. Hey, bro, I'd love to answer that. But as you went about it in the scriptures, what'd you find? And when you, when you prayed about it, what'd you find? Oh, I haven't prayed about it. I haven't read it. Okay, well, call me back in three days. But go read about it. Go pray. It's in here. We just become a church too reliant on each other. And guess what? None of us are Jesus. So we're going to hurt each other's feelings. And if we're all idols in each other's lives, the whole thing is going to fall apart. We've got to repent as a church and be able to say Bible first. What do the scriptures say about it? I looked up every instance of the word parenting and I found, I looked up every instance of the word humility. This is what I found. So when we call somebody, we can say, I've been studying out humility for two weeks about in, in regard to my being a, a dad. And uh, this is what I found. But what, I'm struggling with this part. What do you think? So there's, you're going for it. You're building your own convictions. Yeah. That's right. you're, so if that person leaves, you go, amen. Next one up, please. How you doing? Doesn't matter where they are in life. Doesn't matter if they're old, young, a tall, short. Doesn't matter who they are, what they're, you know, because you have your own bedrock of faith and you're bringing them in to help uh, be a balance in case, you know, any kind of deception in here. But we've got to repent and go back to having the Bible be our foundation. We've got to say, these are scriptures. This is why I spank my kids. Here's a scripture for it. This is why I don't spank my kids. Here's a scripture for it. I don't care which one you do, but I have a scripture for it. This is why I do what I do. This is why uh, uh, I, you know, I pursue uh, this girl in this way and I'm courting her. We're going on dates. This is why I'm not doing that. This is why we only talk for an hour. This is why we talk for an hour and a half. I have scriptures. I have reasons why we do things. Always be prepared to give an answer for the reason you believe. Right. We have to have a reason for everything. Oof. Some kind of spirit got a hold of me. I'm going to examine and get back to you, but... Three days. That's right. Call back in three days, Drew. I'm going to look at it. But John 16.30 provides this great scripture because even with, even with the Bible, there's some one we're missing. And John 16.30, Jesus is coming to the end of his discourse with his best friends about to go to the cross. Uh, let's start in verse 31. John 16.31. Do you now believe, Jesus replied, a time is coming and in fact has come when you will be scattered, each one to his own home, you will leave me all alone. Yet I am not alone, for my Father is with me. I have told you these things, so that in me you may have peace. Now remember, what, what were we struggling with early on? We're too busy. Our lives are too busy. We're looking for peace by doing all these things in a, in a world where everything is about doing more, 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 more. Jesus says, that's not the answer to peace. It'll never be enough. Here's the answer to peace. Jesus says, I've told you these things. So basically, we have scriptures. Why? So that you can have peace. Why are we not reading our Bibles? The scriptures are there so we can be at peace. Not to make you feel inadequate. Not to make you feel like there's a rule book. Not to make you feel like I'm not enough. Not to make you think I don't understand. It's okay if you don't understand. It's not there for you to necessarily understand everything. It's there for you to have peace. And we can get peace from the Bible, but we, 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 we too quickly dismiss it. In a church that's not Bible-based... It's just, I don't even want to go down that road of what's going to happen. But if we are a church that is Bible-based, anything can happen and we'll be able to have a, a rock-solid foundation. But it's not all that Jesus says. I've come so that I've told you these things so that you can have peace. Then he closes out with, in this world, spoiler, you will have trouble. Yeah. He knew it. Yeah. You will have trouble. 
But take heart. I have overcome the world. I love it. Jesus knows what they're feeling. He goes, I've, I've said these things so that you can have peace. And all the apostles are going, yeah, but it's still hard. And then Jesus goes, okay, take heart. I've overcome the world. So even in these moments when we're struggling and there's no answer, we don't know what to do, and how can we survive? Jesus goes, look to me. I have done it, and so can you. And by the way, you won't do it alone. Jesus says something here that's heartbreaking. He says, even though you guys will be scattered, my Father is with me. Jesus took refuge in one thing, his Father. But what do we know is going to happen in just a few hours? His Father will abandon him. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Jesus is amazed at the absence of his dad. The one thing Jesus found solace in, he loses it. And why does he do it? He does it for us. Jesus had nothing. Jesus is able to go to the cross. He's able to obey a God that left him. How can we not obey a God that stays with us? Jesus was the only one in history who knew that if he obeyed, he would be abandoned. And he still does it. He still goes for it. And lastly, Screwtape says this. Do not be deceived, Wormwood. That's the other, that's the other um, demon. And when he says the enemy, they're talking about God, because their enemy is God. Do not be deceived, Wormwood. Our cause is never more in danger than when a human, no longer desiring, but still intending to do our enemy's will, that's God, to do God's will, looks around upon a universe from which every trace of him seems to have vanished and asks why he has been forsaken and still obeys. Screwtape says, this is our greatest threat, that Jesus, looking around, realized it was still wanting to do God's will, but realizing God is left, realizing that all of us are going to sin, realizing that all of us are going to fail him over and over and over again. All of us are going to continually Betray him. We're going to take our clothes off for another boy or girl to impress them. We're going to go out and look, look at uh, drugs for security. We're going to try to find success in our job or in a new girl every month, every new guy every month. We're going to jump around and continually push him to the side. And he still obeys. That is the call that we have as Christians. It's grace. It's acceptance. It's perfect and it's thorough. And so as we even look at ourselves and wonder, man, okay, Drew, you're telling me to go deep in my heart. You're telling me I got I to gotta go to the Bible and I want to do those things, but it, there's going to be trouble. There's always going to be trouble. And by the way, there's trouble out there too. If you'd like to experience trouble without Jesus, it's, that's out there. I'd rather experience trouble with Jesus. So I'm going I'm to stick around with you guys, okay? So that's the thing. The, the rain falls on both the righteous and the, and the wicked, amen? So it's not about, oh, I thought there was going to be no trouble in here. Who told you that? There's trouble. Yes, thank you, Tom. Right here in River City. Okay? There's trouble. There's going to be trouble. But we don't have to try to find uh, validation through obedience. We find validation through grace and then obey. And so as long as we see Jesus and, and take heart, and maybe that's just our memory scripture this week, just take heart. I have overcome the world. We can overcome the world as well. That's right. Come on. So to close out for us, what would it look like this week? I want to encourage you. Take a Sabbath. In a world where everything is going 100 miles an hour, slow down. 
There are things we've got to be able to understand and see, and it can only come with quiet. Help out your spouse. Take the kids for an hour or two or three. Do something. Get a babysitter. Us singles, there are people that don't have kids, married with no kids. Let's babysit for the married so they can go on a Sabbath. Yeah, date's awesome too, but when's the last time you had three hours with God? We'll babysit for that. It's important. Don't be insecure about that. Let's step up and be able to do that, but let's not have any excuses to to be able to examine our hearts because it's important what's going on in here. And if we can establish how we're feeling and how we can identify how Satan attacks us in here, it's amazing how looking down the line, your marriage, oh baby, it's awesome because you know what you're feeling. Um, Story of a couple of friends of mine. you know, they're grandparents in the faith now, but they have kids. They used to get in all these types of fights. And they said when they had, they had their kids, uh, you know, different families, but had their kids uh, both grow up in the church, then they got married to each other. And they witnessed them fighting. And one was like, you know, hey, I just feel insecure right now because you said this and it hurt my feelings. And she said, I felt hurt too that you said that. I'm sorry. He said, I'm sorry. They hugged. And the parents were like, what just happened? <laughs> we never did that, like ever. But it's interesting when you, when you grow up and you're able to discern the demons... And you're able to understand the motives. Yeah. Your friendships get deeper. Your relationships, your, uh, your outreach, your evangelism, your purity. Everything else gets, gets better, yeah. gets more like God. Yeah. Because you start fighting the battle where the battle is. Yeah. And it's not going to happen with any sort of outward adornment. It'll happen with getting in our hearts. Amen. So Sabbath. How about a social media fast? Whoa. Get that stuff out of here. 21 days, no social media. Come on. I should really be looking here, right? No social media, right? A social media fast. Get that stuff out of your head. How about no social? Just a media fast. Some of us watch the news a little too much. Okay, your passion is getting in the news. You care way more about what happens in the news than what happens with Jesus. How about we do a media fast and cleanse from that a bit? Now, amen, I believe a good Christian should have a Bible in one hand and a newspaper in the other. That phrase is from a long time ago. But, you know, uh, yeah, newspapers, they don't exist anymore. But you should know what's going on in the, in, the, in the world. But some of us are a little too into that. And we give away our passion to legislation yeah. instead of giving our passion to Jesus. Wow. How about a long prayer walk? I love that one. I'll be back when I'm back, right? I'm going. I'm not coming back until I, I, I find out what's going on in here. Wow. Yeah. How about repetition? We don't like this one, but we read something and we go, I didn't get that. Read it again. I still didn't get it. Read it again. Hold on, it's been eight minutes. My quiet time's over. I didn't get anything from it. Read it again. All right, repetition's important, especially for some of us uh, where familiarity causes contempt. We've heard the story. I read a story and go, oh, I know that. That's my simple nature. I got to say, no, no, no. I got to pray. Read the story. Read the scriptures. Just because you've heard it before doesn't mean it's hitting the same way. Memory. You know, Lori's done a good job putting up little memory tips on the Facebook wall. Little memory scripture strategy tips, okay? Memory scripture's important. Because when you're in the battle, usually you can't remember a whole sermon or a whole quiet time, but what you can remember is a memory verse. Oh, wait, hold on. Take heart. I've overcome the world. Oh, I can have peace. There you go. You got it right there for you. And lastly, visualization. Visualization's an important one. Not just uh, read what you're... How many of us are visual learners? My goodness. I mean, so many of us. And yet we read the Bible and we say, I don't get it. You know, sit down and visualize it. Mm-hmm. Uh, draw it out. Write it out. Look up Bible Project videos on YouTube. They visualize it for you. But let's not allow 
any sort of hurdle to get in the way of allowing the Bible to inspire us, to move us, to motivate us, and to be our reason for doing everything. And then we know the beauty of it is, even when we fail, and we will, it won't be, I failed the Bible, I failed the standard. It'll be, you know, I messed up, but praise God, Christ Jesus has overcome the world. And I have a brother in him, I have a co-heir in him, I have acceptance in him. And if you're not in that place this morning, if you don't have Jesus in that way, if you are not a, a disciple who's repented, been baptized, and come to faith, meet up with somebody today. Yeah. Grab somebody, doesn't matter who, throw a little rock, whoever it hits, just say, hey, can we have a Bible study? Okay? Because I want to make, sure, make sure that I can examine my heart. If you have been a Christian for a long time, I encourage you to ask somebody to do that. You know how humbling that is? I'd like to get with you and examine how I'm doing. I want to ask you questions to see if you can help me. Just, I want to see where my fate's been these past six months. Yeah. I want to see, and I just don't, I don't feel like I've been doing that well, but I want to bring you in. I want to look at scriptures and I want to see how can I grow. Yeah. But if we, if we all had that heart, if we all had that mindset, you know how awesome church would be? You know how exciting church would be? It wouldn't be like, you wouldn't be defensive. You wouldn't be nervous. You wouldn't be picking your seat, right? Guess who's going to sit next to me? You wouldn't be fearful. You'd be excited. You'd be refreshed. You'd be like, man, because you'd come in willing to have a, having a heart to say, you know what? Just because it happens doesn't mean I'm going to believe it. I'm not going to have too much, uh, too much validation in people, but I'm going to respect people and I'm going to go to them. I'm going to go to the Bible. It's going to be my bedrock, but it's not going to be my be all end all because at the end of the day, we all need Jesus. And if we can all find that balance, that's the life that Jesus says he'll bring, life to the full. And in a world that tells us to be competitive, let's be cooperative. In a world that says everything is about comfortability, let's deny ourselves and carry our cross. And in a world that says be busy, 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 let's slow down, take a Sabbath, have a, have a media fast, and get deep into our hearts so that we're not a church that's led by demons, but a church that's led by the Spirit of Jesus Christ. Amen, and to God be the glory.